we're in this series, Dangerous Prayers. If, if I was being honest, there's a little bit of sarcasm in the title of this, Dangerous Prayers. Uh, because the truth is that the most dangerous thing you could ever do is not pray. Uh, that, that would be the most dangerous thing. But I do find that a lot of us don't mind taking risk in a lot of different areas of life. How many risk takers in life? You like, you, any adrenaline junkies in the room at all? Anybody like doing crazy stuff? I'm like that. I'm thankful I'm raising some kids that are this way. Uh, some of y'all might've seen that our younger son Reeves, he broke his arm a couple weeks ago. And honestly, that was a really proud dad moment for me. Uh, <laughs> I feel like we're raising kids that don't take risk anymore. You know, they're not out just doing what boys used to do. Like how many of y'all, when, when you were little boys, man, you, your parents would just send you out into the woods and just be like, don't come back till dinner. And they didn't know what we were doing. We were shooting stuff illegally. We were, you know, we were, I mean, nowadays they, they think that we were ISIS or something because we did some just crazy, crazy stuff. But I love that I, I, he, was, he was in the neighbor's backyard and they built a bike ramp. How many of y'all know that's always a good idea, right? And so I, I wasn't there, but I picture this is how it went. He's back there with his buddy Scout and he's like, hey man, hold my juice box, watch this. You know, just like, and, and I don't know how he came off that ramp, but man, he broke his arm, broke it good. And, uh, and I, I was just really proud. He got into a cast a couple days later and uh, hard cast, but he wanted to, he had, he's in soccer. And so he had a soccer game the night that he got his cast on. He had a soccer game that night. So I was like, what's healing up pretty good. And I was like, man, I like this doctor. He's gonna let him play soccer. So he did. And uh, we had to wrap his arm in bubble wrap so that he could play soccer because because there's no, no doubt he would have knocked some kids out with his cast. That's just the way he, we roll. And, um, and so, but he scored three goals at that soccer game. And so, yeah, I mean, so my kid's a baller and that's awesome. And, uh, but we're gonna keep the cast um, even after his arms healed because it helped him with his balance somehow. Like he was able to play so much better with that cast on. Even ever since then, he's been scoring goals like a madman. So we're, I measured out how much bubble wrap we used and everything. So we got the perfect measurements on everything. So. Even when he goes into college playing soccer, we're just gonna keep putting that same cast back on him. Hopefully the arm will grow a little bit, but, uh, but I'm glad he's a risk taker. I do find that there's a lot of us, man, I bet you there's some stories in this room. I bet you there's some stories in this room and some people in this room that you had this hold my beer, watch this moment in your life. I'm sure there's some embarrassing things that have happened, you know, with through stories like that. Uh, but, but I do find that there's a lot of us that, that don't have a God hold my life moment. Like hold me in your hand because that really is, is a dangerous prayer. And that's the, the dangerous prayer we're gonna look at today is God shape me. God, will you shape me? It says this in Isaiah 64. This is verse eight. It says, yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. I love that because it says father. A lot of, we not, may not all have a super positive connotation of that. You know, I don't, I don't know what your dad is like, but I'm just letting you know that like he is a good father. Uh, but it, to be a good dad, how many of y'all know you, gotta, you, you have a responsibility to shape your kids, 
you know? Like, it, it's not the school's job. It's not kid life's job or little life's job or 412 or real life to shape your kids. It's, it's our responsibility as parents to do this. But we're his kids, and he wants to shape us too. So one of the ways you can say this is, God, I want to grow, but you've got to mold me. So how do we grow? How do we grow in the Lord? It says in Jeremiah 18, this is a, the, one of the major prophets. He said, Lord, give, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I'll speak to you there. Now, I wish that God spoke to me like this. Like, just even as a pastor, I've never heard the audible voice of God. You know, I've never just like been out walking through the woods and like the, the Bambi beam of light came and shone up around me. And all of a sudden I heard the audible voice of God. Like, I, it's hard for me to hear from God sometimes. I'll tell you what, I'd go down to a Hobby Lobby if I knew God was going to talk to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the only reason why I don't ever go to Hobby Lobby is if I knew God was going to speak to me. But so he goes down here. He says, I did, and he told me, so I did as he told me, and I found the potter working at his wheel. But the jar he was making did not turn out like he had hoped, so he crushed it into a lump of clay and started over. Then the Lord gave me this message. Oh, Israel, okay, that's God's people, but you need to understand, like, because of Jesus, because of the cross, we are a part of God's people. So he's speaking to us on this too. Can I not do the same thing that this potter has done to his clay to you? As the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. Now, I want to just give you good news. Like, this is not about you and your life, and if you're not in a good place, God's going to crush you into a lump by the end of the day. Welcome to New Life Church, where you can be encouraged. <laughs> like, that's not what it's saying, but what it is saying is God wants to shape you and mold you. I will say that I think it's a good prayer to pray, God, am I shaping up into what you want me to shape into? Like, am I becoming the vessel that you want to use? There's a couple things about a potter that I think are important to, to notate. First of all, a potter makes the clay unique. You can write that down. The potter makes the clay unique. Because a potter's creative. They can make all kinds of stuff. They can make bowls and vases and plates and planters. And God is creative too, though. It says in Ephesians 2.10, we are the workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, I think that the wording of this is so important because you have to know that even if you don't realize it and see it, God already has some stuff that he prepared beforehand, before you were ever born, before the foundation of the earth. God has already prepared some things for you to do. He's creating you for a specific and a unique purpose. Whether you completely see that now or not, those things are there and you're the only one that can fulfill that unique purpose. And so often what happens, the reason why we're not fulfilling our purpose is because we're out fulfilling other people's purposes because we compare. 
So we're looking at so-and-so and, you know, social media is perpetuating this thing. So we're like, man, man, look how they have their whole life together. They got their fall decorations up and all their kids are wearing all the right colors for the fall season. Look at, look at their first day of school picture. Oh my gosh, we woke up late. I'm lucky my kids are even dressed. They're posting stuff like, oh, I'm oh, so proud of my kids, straight A's and they're landing, learning Mandarin. And I'm like, I'm just glad my kids didn't headbutt somebody today. This is amazing. But when we compare, we won't fulfill the unique thing that God has created us to do. God made you unique. Potter also makes the clay useful, though. See, this isn't just something that looks pretty. There's a purpose. God wants to do some things in you and through you. And I'm encouraged by you. I'm thankful for all the people around here that serve and sacrifice people that give financially, people that have good ideas that help us. I'm even thankful for the people that tell us things that we're not doing great so we can learn from those things. But I'm thankful the way that people step up and offer to own different parts of ministry. I'm thankful for that. God wants to shape us into something that is unique and useful. There's a few ways, though, that God does this. And I will say, <laughs> they're not all pleasant. It's difficult being shaped. One of the ways that God shapes us is through truth. And I would tag on to this. It only works if you're teachable. God wants to shape you through truth. We've got to know the truth of who God is. We've got to know the truth of who he is. God is loving. God is gracious. God is holy. You know, if you read the prophets and you read these different encounters where people got to see heaven, it's interesting to me. You know, when the angels are around the throne of God, what are they saying? Holy, holy, holy. Isn't it interesting they're not saying, you're good, you're good, you're good? You're gracious, you're gracious, you're gracious. You're loving, you're loving, you're loving. Are those things true? Yes, but the emphasis is on the holiness of God. I think it's important for us to have that understanding because if you don't have any fear of the Lord because of his holiness, you won't have a fear for the truth of his word. And if you don't have a fear for the truth of his word, you're gonna be like a wave in the sea blown and tossed by the wind. Any which way that culture wants you to go. Any which way that the, the relativeness of truth might send you. In John 8, 31, it says, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you will be my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. But look, you also gotta know the truth about who you are. What does God say about you? What, how, what does his word say about you? What are you looking to to define you? What is defining you? It's good to have encouraging people around you. It's good to have people that believe in you. But I find that way too many of us have really soft friends. And what I mean by that is friends that might like, we like hang out with, we have a good time with them, but we may not have the friend that comes and says, look, 
you are being an idiot right now. You need to stop this because this is not who God has called you to be. We need to have a friend that loves us like that. But that is truth. Look, God was a perfect, Jesus was truth and grace embodied. He was the fullness of both of those things. But how many of y'all know he brought the truth? The first words out of his mouth when he started his ministry, you know what they were? Repent. <laughs> Look, a lot of us, we don't like that word. It's like, oh man, that's like, that's super old school church language. But it is the most loving thing that we could ever embody and embrace. Because until we do stop and turn, we live in a world of pain. We don't find fulfillment. We need truth. Cheryl, Cheryl Crow might have said, if it makes you happy, then it can't be that bad. <laughs> but the next phrase proves my point. <laughs> but if, if it makes you happy, then why the Hades are you so sad? I think that's a picture of our culture because truth has become relative. It's like, it's the truth to you. Follow your heart. Look, if we live this way, if we're shaped and molded by what we think and how we feel, we will end up destroyed. God shapes us through failure. Proverbs 24, 16, for a righteous man falls seven times and rises up again. Because failure is not final, but failure is a great teacher. It teaches us what to do, what works. It also teaches us what not to do, what doesn't work. Walter Braunel said it this way, failure is the tuition you pay for success. God, man, that is hard. I mean, I've failed so many times, I can't even... I can't even, I mean, I could write a book on it. I failed in ministry. When we first moved here from Colorado, we moved here initially to be youth pastors. We moved into a tough situation. There was a lot of leadership dynamics that we were having to deal with, not with leaders above us, but the leaders we were trying to work with. And man, it was tough, really tough. But the truth is, I stunk at it. Like I, I, I went, I was, I was the youth pastor at two of our campuses and, and both of those youth groups are probably around, you know, 45 to 50 students at each one. And in a matter of just, I don't know, three months, I chiseled those babies down to like 12 students each. <laughs> and that was including Pastor Rick's mom. Like, like she would come and show up. I'm like, you know, this isn't for, this is for the youth. She's like, I just love you. I'm like, I love you too. Uh, but the truth is I failed at it. I failed at it. I wasn't, I, wasn't, it was, I wasn't the right man for the job in that season. And it was hard. We moved our lives here to do that. And I failed. I think it's important to be around people that when you fail, they still believe in you. And I'm thankful that Pastor Rick still believed in us. You know, because I was like, I stink. I guess I'm just gonna, I don't know go sell plasma, <laughs> do something, I don't know. 
every successful person I know that I've ever read about or talked to has basically said that failure is not optional, it's essential. If it doesn't happen, then because you learn from your failures. If you don't learn from your failures, failures become your worst enemy. But that is the key. You gotta be willing to learn from them. But I wouldn't be who I am today without my failures. I wouldn't be who I am. I wouldn't be the dad I am. I wouldn't be the husband I am. I wouldn't be the pastor that I am. James encourages us with this. In chapter one, verse two, consider it pure joy, my brothers. This is a little bit patronizing to me. I'm just being honest. It's like, okay, pure joy. So happy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The ability to get up again. Just get up. Some of you, the most spiritual thing that you can do today is just get up again. Get up again. Get up again. Christians may be down, but we're always down or we're getting up, but we're not quitting. Because Jesus paid the price so we can get up. Some of us just need to get up again. God shapes us through pain. Woo! Craig Rochelle said it this way, the distance between where I am and where God wants me to be might be my willingness and ability to tolerate some pain. Uh, I feel like I'm a pretty tough person, like a high pain tolerance. Um, but a few years ago, I had a kidney stone. And uh, I am tough. I feel that way. In fact, someone tweeted out this last week, this, it, this is based on factual evidence, that the toughest people in the world, their names start with J. Um, there's some proof to this. Jason Bourne, Jack Reacher, Jack Bauer, John Wick. John Wayne, John Rambo, Judge Judy, I've got that, of course. <laughs> and then, of course, Jesus. So we have that too, praise God. Hashtag Jesus Juke, gotcha. But this kidney stone owned me. I mean, a fetal position, bawling. Cody's just staring at me like, She's not used to seeing me like that. She, she just didn't know what to do. I'm just like, drive me to the I couldn't drive. I was just, I was just fetal position, passenger seat. We're driving down to the hospital. She's taking emergency room. I'm communicating my living will. I'm like, you, this kid, you died. This kid, you this. And she's like, what about this kid? I don't like them right now. Don't give them anything. They picked a bad day to be on my wrong side. I thought I was gonna die. Got to the emergency room, waited forever. It's just, it was most excruciating. Y'all know you're in some pain when you're willing to lay down on the emergency room floor. <laughs> There'd been some stuff on that floor, you know. And I remember when they brought me that pain medication, I was like, come to Papa. 
I love you. But some of us have felt some pain. It's way worse than any kind of physical pain. You know, the emotional pain, loss, discouragement, disappointments, relational pain, strained friendships, family issues. It's tough when your kids don't like you. Your kids are in rebellion. That's tough. That's painful. Spiritual pain. Just a, a, a dream you felt like God put in your heart, but what, why in the world is it not coming true? <laughs> How long is this going to take? 1 Peter 5.10 says this, And the God of all grace who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. I find, though, that pain can teach us what comforts definitely can't. But too often, we want to get rid of the pain. We live in a culture where we're just trying to get, just get the pain to go away, whatever the pain is, the emotional pain, physical pain. And so we have all these coping mechanisms. Our tendency is to just try to, to take something, take a pain reliever, slam some ibuprofen or ice cream or Krispy Kreme, like whatever it takes. Emotional pain, spiritual pain. We turn to pain relievers, these coping mechanisms. And some people, they turn to addictions, alcohol, drugs, pornography. But now, these things control us. There's a lot of other distractions and things that you use to try to deal with pain. Sports, hobbies, shopping. Come on, ladies, a little re retail therapy. Some people get in unhealthy relationships to deal with the pain. Success, being a workaholic. Sometimes people will go to that to relieve their pain. Social media. Some people will go to that. We prefer to be distracted than to actually deal with the pain. But what I find is the pain is a process. And sometimes it's a long process. But this pain strengthens us and it refines us if we take the pain to God. If we realize, God, I don't know why I'm feeling all this, but I want you to use it. Regardless of why it's happening or who caused or whatever, God, use it in my life. He says in 1 Peter 1, 6, So be truly glad. There's a wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine, is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Now the process of refining gold it's a process. There's heat. There's pressure. But when you're in the hands of God, it's always an opportunity for him to remove a little more of who you are so you can get a little more of he, who he is. Man, that's valuable. God shapes us through experiences. I want you to write this down. God never wastes a season. 
God will never waste a season. Romans 8, 28. We've said this so many times. You need to be reminded again. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. This is based on relationship. This is based on you knowing God and God knowing you. But those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. I know God and I know he's going to use me. And I want to be used by him. I want to fulfill my purpose. And when you stay in that place, he promises he works everything for your good. Everything. God is always preparing you for something. I find that every season. Look, as I look back in hindsight, you realize every single season had a purpose. It stinks when you're in the middle of it. Think about David. David was a shepherd, so he, he got really good at the sling. He killed a bear and a lion. He didn't know he's going to face a giant. God used the season. Then he's anointed king, but he doesn't get to be king right away. So then he's in this season of, I'm the anointed king, and I'm having to run and hide in caves, and people hate me, and people are trying to kill me, and I haven't done anything wrong. But God used that season to make sure that David would never become a Saul to someone else. So we have these seasons. God uses every one of them. I'm thankful for the seasons I've gone through. I'm thankful for the season after my parents got divorced. And I lived with my dad, and for several years we were homeless. I'm thankful that that I learned how to be content with little. I'm thankful that I learned that (laughs) I don't need much. I lived out of a bag, slept on floors and sleeping bags, lived in other people's homes. I'm thankful for that season. I learned how to work and communicate around a lot of different personalities. Thankful for that. I'm thankful for God how he used those seasons to shape me to mold me because of of the season of of walking through my parents and their divorce. I now have a passion for marriages to be strong and biblical. I'm thankful for the seasons. I'm thankful for my seasons in ministry. Like I, I've done, I've done at, at this church. I've done everything that you can imagine since I've been here. I've been the janitor. I've done data entry. I did data entry for a couple years. I did all the tithes and offerings input. I, I, I used to do all the printing for the church. I'd just sit in there for hours at a time just printing stuff for the church. Youth ministry, children's ministry, college ministry. They haven't stuck me with the babies because they want them to live. <laughs> I understand that. But God has just given me so many seasons and it shaped me into being who I am. So thankful. God wants to use the seasons in your life too. He's shaping you. He's molding you. I don't know what season you're in. I don't know what pain you're in. I don't don't know what truth you are resisting in your life. But I know that God loves you. It may feel like he is breaking you down 
but he is only breaking you down to rebuild you up into what he intends. If you're willing to allow him, but this starts with surrender. This starts with you saying, okay, you win, you win. If you've given your life, if you said, I accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, the acceptance of that means your life no longer belongs to you. You have no rights. This is hard. Because it feels like, man, rights? I'm American. I got some rights. Let me tell you about them. Are you an American first or a Christ follower first? Because if you're a Christ follower first, then you've actually laid down. And you laying yourself down, God lifts you up. (laughs) And then there is no government, there is no situation and circumstance, fair or unfair, that will dictate your life because you're in the hands of your Father and He's got you, He's got you. You can trust Him, but you have to surrender to Him. And I think there's probably some folks in here, man, you just, you're wrestling with that surrender. Shape me. Shape me. Mold me. Even if it means I need to be broken down. Mixed back up. Shape me. Make me into the uniqueness of who you've created me to be the usefulness for your kingdom. Let's close your eyes, bow our heads. If you're here today and you've never done that, you've never surrendered to him, I wanna pray for you in a second. But if you're here and you just say, look, I know that I'm struggling. There's some areas in my life that I know that I haven't completely surrendered. I know there's some areas I'm struggling with. I've been resisting God. Whatever that may be, and just his word or, The season, you just need to be encouraged. You're just in a season, you're feeling pain, but you're willing to say, hey, I'm willing to let God use this, whatever it is. If that's you, put your hand up right now. Just say, I want to say, that's me. I'm right there. God, we just confess it before you. We confess that we are weak so that you can be made strong. God, I pray for every one of these people that are raising their hands right now. I don't know the situation. I don't know the circumstance, but they're raising their hand in declaration that they're going to trust you. They're going to trust you, whatever it is, God. Use me. I put myself in your hands. Shape me. If you're here today and you know you've never totally surrendered to him, you're not even in his hand right now. You've never surrendered to him as your Lord and Savior. You've never said, I want God to have control of my life. Or maybe you did, but you just need to come back to him because you've been doing your your own thing, your own way. And you've been coping with life. You don't need to cope anymore. You can let go and let God do some stuff. But it means you've got to let go of your life and surrender to him. If you're here today and you're ready to do that, nobody's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to be bold enough just to admit it. Just say, that's me. Before me and God, I want to include you in this prayer. If that's you, put your hand right now across this room. As soon as you put your hand up, you can put it down. Got it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Anybody else? I need to surrender my life. I need to come back to God. Thank you, God. Anybody else? I know I'm away from him. I want to have a relationship with him today. I want to leave this place knowing that he's my father. 
no matter what I go through, he's using it for my good. Anyone else? Okay. Father God, I thank you for those few hands. Whatever their story, whatever the background, I thank you, God, you're meeting with them right there. And if you raise your hand, let's just, let's just have an honest conversation with our Savior, with our Father. Just say, God, my life is messed up and I need a Savior. I can't pay the price for my sin. I can't even understand how you could love me enough to pay the price, but I believe in faith that you died on the cross for my sin. And right now, I ask for your forgiveness. And I'll also know that I've got to surrender to you as my Lord. And that's hard. There's a lot of things I'm gonna to have to let go of, but right now I'm choosing to trust you. I'm choosing to surrender. I'm choosing to repent, to stop, to turn away from living the way I've been living, to turn towards you. Lead me, guide me, shape me, God, into whatever you want me to be. Father God, I thank you for the few folks that said that prayer. Maybe for the first time, first time in a long time. I thank you, God, that all of heaven rejoices and celebrates when even one person comes as a saving knowledge of your son, Jesus. We thank you, God. Continue to shape us. Shape us individually. Shape our marriages. Shape our relationships. Let everything that we do and everything that we are be in your capable hands. Shape it, God, shape it. Thank you for shaping this church too. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise in this place for the people who made a decision for Jesus.